We're joined by Catherine Harris. She's a board member emeritus of the Springfield and Central Illinois African American History Museum, which also unfortunately has seen its operations dramatically altered by the pandemic. But they are still uh, serving an important function to make sure we don't lose sight of that part of our history. Catherine Harris joins us here this afternoon. Catherine, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for your time. And thank you so much for inviting me today. Well, let's start with Juneteenth. Uh, again, very much in the news recently. Uh, but here in Springfield, of course, we've had an annual celebration of this. It is a big deal. Uh, so put it in some perspective for us and, and give us the, the backstory of the Juneteenth celebration. Well, on June 19th, 1865, that was a big day of celebration and jubilation because that's when the word of the Emancipation Proclamation that freed all of the slaves in Confederate territory reached the far west, the far west at that time being being like Texas and Arkansas. And even though the proclamation had been issued in 1863, January 1st to take effective date, it took that long for the word, so to speak, to get that far. Now, there's always been a question as to why did it take that long? I've heard that uh, the masters wanted to get in one last good crop before the slaves were set free. But I don't know if that's true or not. But um, General uh, Gordon Granger uh, went to Galveston with his federal troops and they freed all of the slaves that were extant in Texas. So that's how um, that's how Juneteenth came to pass. It was a day of great jubilation because even though the Emancipation Proclamation and the uh, 13th Amendment uh, theoretically ended slavery, uh, the word didn't get out that far until uh, almost two years later. So even though it has its roots in uh, the the Civil War era, uh, emancipation Mm -hmm. and and all of that, this wasn't something I recall ever really hearing about when I was a child. It wasn't until just maybe within the last 15, 20 years uh, that I've really heard about this uh, extensively each year around this time. Was this something significant in your upbringing? And and how did it become much more of a mainstream observed uh, celebration? Well, it certainly is not a Hallmark celebration, because I've never seen a Juneteenth card yet. <laughs> I guess I haven't either, true. <laughs> but but growing up, and I grew up in Carbondale, in the southern part of the state, uh, my church and my family, we always had a picnic on Juneteenth, so I've known about Juneteenth since I was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. And now, of course, we're to the point we're seeing now major companies actually recognize this, in some cases making it into a paid holiday, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously very much in the news these days as well because of the, the brief flirtation by the Trump campaign to stage his <laughs> comeback rally on that date in right. Tulsa, which is a, a location that itself is fraught with, with racial history. Uh, right. but, but what does it say to you that this is, is now very much front and center in the national dialogue and national discussion? I, I think that in light of the recent events, uh, going back to um, George Floyd, and what was that, three weeks ago, May 25th, May 26th, I think that everyone is becoming much more conscious, much more conscious of the 
of the role that those that ship had arrived on the shores of what became the United States in 1619. All of that is coming to the fore. And sadly, it took the disruptions that occurred across the nation to make people begin to think about systemic racism and uh, inequities and inequalities that exist in our country. The COVID, um, the coronavirus right now, that is, is encompassing not just Illinois, but, this, but the world, the pandemic, but at least in the United States, the same issues of poor access to health care, poor access to appropriate education, not good access to um, li- living situations, redlining, all of that, which is part of the systemic racism that occurs, that exists in our country. And the, the fact that the president was going to go to Tulsa, where there was a tremendous riot, uh, I think it was 1921. Really, a massacre might be the, the better way to put it. A riot suggests it, it, it was, was two-sided. It was it, a massacre because, yeah. you know, you often think of race riots being uh, black people rioting. It was just the opposite. On Greenwood, in, in Greenwood, which was called the Black Wall Street in Tulsa in 1921, I guess the people felt that and I'm going to say this, that the black folks got too uppity, got too big for their britches, and we'll put them in their place. So they just burned everything that was owned by African-Americans in that part of Tulsa in the Greenwood community. Uh, Horrifying, and obviously the symbolism of it all, and ultimately the the campaign did move from that date uh, while staying in in, in the the location there. Uh, Catherine Harris is with us, scholar, historian, uh, board member emeritus of the Springfield and Central Illinois African American History Museum. Uh, Catherine, put this in some perspective for us, because a lot of people are looking at what's happened here these last three weeks. The demonstrations in the streets, the um, reaction from corporate America, the you know the, the recognition that there are, are still real endemic systemic problems here. And some people are saying this this is a moment as uh, as consequential in, in the history of civil rights as some of the marches and demonstrations in the 1960s. In the 60s, right. Well, from, from your perspective, does it feel that way? Does it feel like that kind of a watershed moment to you? Well, it's a watershed moment. Not that I could remember all of that stuff in the 60s. I think in the 60s, I was a teenager, and I wanted to go and uh, go on marches. uh, And my brother, who was four years older than I, he got to go, but I didn't get to go. My mama told me I had to stay at home. (laughs) (laughs) But, But my dad... My dad was one of the folks from our hometown who went to the March on Washington in 1963. And that brings us to the African American History Museum here locally, a wonderful Mm -hmm. institution that unfortunately has, of course, been sidelined by the COVID-19 pandemic for the last several months. Before Mm -hmm. we start talking about the the short and long range plans for it, let's talk about the the museum in general. Uh, Give us a quick history as to when and how it got started and what and what people will find when they're finally able to get back inside. 
Well, I, uh, the, the museum has been at its current location since about, tw- for the last three to four years, I think, just, 2016, maybe? Just outside of Oak Ridge Cemetery. Right, right across, right. We're right across from the cemetery uh, entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're in a building that was formerly, that formerly housed the uh, Museum of Funeral Customs. Oh, yes. So, so it's, it's set up to be a museum. And... Um, we we try to present to the community uh, the true stories told in our own way of the contributions of African Americans uh, in Central and Southern Illinois um, to to our community, and everybody's welcome. We ask for donations when folks come. We we don't have a set um, admission fee, but we always accept donations uh, for for that. And I'll just say that our our annual uh, fundraiser is is a gala that we have in October, and we might have to reconsider how we're going to handle that in light of the COVID uh, pandemic. Who knows what things will look like in in October, which is when we traditionally have our events. So we'll just have to stay prayerful that we will um, have just a good of a gala it just might be virtual instead of people showing up face to face at a hotel we want to come back and talk more about support for the museum in in just a moment but let me ask you at this point because we expect to move into phase four where we can have uh, groups of up to 50 people at a time so what are the plans as far as reopening the museum uh, allowing the public back in even with limited capacity is that on the horizon right now what are what's the game plan well, we, we are hoping to be open totally to the public by uh, the 1st of August, and it might come uh, after the middle of, of, of July. Uh, we, we have our board meeting uh, in the middle of the month of July, and that is certainly on the agenda as to when we will open again to the public. And we, we will have uh, some new exhibits Well, we will have a new exhibit when the museum opens, and we're looking forward to that as well. Can you give us a preview of what that will be? Well, our new new exhibit is going to feature the African-American churches in our city, uh, the oldest ones, and we're featuring all of... We're featuring all of the denominations in the African American community, so we're looking forward to that. You know, and it, we're, that's the exhibit that we're working on right now. It's a community, so even though we're not open, we're still working. <laughs> it's a community with such a rich history, and so many of these stories go untold. And it's wonderful that this institution is there to make sure that these stories do not go untold. You, you mentioned right. the, uh, the the benefit that would be coming up, your uh, fall fundraiser. Uh, obviously, even though the museum has been closed you still have expenses and things like right. that so what what is the current financial status of the african-american history museum are you holding your own i would say we're holding our own but we could always hold our own a little bit better <laughs> with additional donations i encourage folks to visit our uh we have a website uh springfield and central illinois african-american historymuseum.org, that's very long, but you can just Google it. And we also have a Facebook page, and we do have a button where people can donate. Yeah, it is easy with Google to just search for Springfield African American History Museum. First thing right. that pops up, it'll take the, the link right there. Uh, again, right. you can see, and there's online information and exhibits mm-hmm. there, uh, so you can enjoy some and of that And we are trying to keep that 
update it, you know, and put something new in, um, you know, at least uh, every couple of weeks so that people don't forget that we do exist. Catherine, please keep us updated on the reopening plans, and we'd love to have you back on to talk about it when that does actually happen and a date is is firmed up. In the meantime, go check out the website if you can support the efforts here. It's a tremendous local institution that does a lot of good for the educational effort here in our community. Uh, And so one more time again, uh, just to let people know how to track you down, just do the Google search for... Right. Do, do the Google the Google search for the Springfield and Central Illinois African American History Museum, and we'll be the first one to pop up. And I will say that I couldn't let this um, this conversation end without uh, tipping my hat to our board president, uh, Nell Clay, and to all of my fellow board members and the volunteers that we have who keep our museum going even in the days of COVID. It is a a gem here in our community and deserves uh, all the attention that it can get. So please do check it out online until you can check it out in person here, hopefully in just a matter of weeks. Catherine Harris. We we hope so. Board member emeritus of the Springfield and Central Illinois African American History Museum. We always appreciate your time. Great to talk to you. Thank you. And thank you so much. Bye-bye.